Majora's Mask. Chapter 25. Mountain Smithy. The Skull Kid's voice dripped with terror as he whispered to himself. He shot me. He tried to kill me, and I deserved it. Because I killed them. Why did I burn those people? I killed them all. I killed them. He sat against the cave's rock wall, shivering. He wasn't cold, but he was so, so afraid. The rock tunnel was cramped and small at the entrance, but it snaked far behind him into the mountain's depths. The imp sat close to its perfectly circular mouth as snow fell fiercely just feet away. A fire rose from the tiny campsite on the cave floor, but it couldn't stop the Skull Kid's shivering. His face was soft and dark. His orange eyes were hidden. A mask's threatening gaze covered them, never wavering as it peered into the flames. You did nothing wrong. But I couldn't kill her, the Skull Kid said. She just sat there, looking at her son, and it was my fault. He was gone. I couldn't do it, and I don't know why. What if all humans have something in them like that? What if they're just too scared to show us? <laughs> that is all they are. Scared. There is no redemption for their cowardice. But the boy's eyes when he shot me, the imp said. They were terrible, and he was using the same magic we do. What if we're the terrible ones? We are the saviors. We are cleansing the world of weakness. What if there's more to them than that? Stop! The Skull Kid did, immediately freezing in place. Only a few twitches broke through. He could not completely repress the fear. Do, Do not be weak like them. I chose you because you were different. You understood. Remember how the giants left you. If you abandon me, you'll have no one left. But the vermin who cast you out, they are all afraid of death themselves and each other. They are afraid of the truth. We must bring them to it. The Skull Kid didn't say anything. His twitching stopped when he realized that the mask was right. It had always been right. Those wretches in Clocktown were powerless, and they could only hurt him when they stole from Majora like the boy had. The imp looked down at the scorch mark on his chest. His hand touched it tenderly, and it stung. It would not heal on its own. It is time to bathe. The imp's hidden eyes widened in terror again. But I, I just did. And it is time to bathe again. But I don't like it there. He spoke in hardly a whisper. His mind reeled frightfully. It is the truth. The Skull Kid slowly turned to look down the tunnel's depths. The mountain's darkness was absolute. He slowly stood, shaking again as he left the fire. 
Each step took him further from the light of day. Sheer mountain walls enclosed Link and Tattle as they hiked. The rocky path steadily climbed upward, and lifeless yellow grass flanked them. The air grew colder and thinner, just as that first burst of chilly wind had promised. Even though the sun shone brightly from above, its warmth faded with each step. Link trudged onward with his sword and shield drawn. <sighs> I'll be ready for the next one, he thought. He reasoned that no one had traveled this path in quite some time for it to be so infested. He and Tattle approached another cliff face, which obscured what lay above it. He planted his feet into the ground firmly, waiting in the cliff's shadow for an attack. He wasn't disappointed. A creature leapt over the ledge, four legs outstretched and soaring high. It blotted out the sun momentarily, and Link took several steps back to intercept it. The blue, crab-like creature had yellow legs that extended from a flat body. A single red eye beheld its enemy wildly. The beast tried to stab Link with a pointed leg, but he dodged the attack. Thanks to its springy, resilient joints, the monster landed safely despite the fall. Already it struck again, but Link's shield protected him. As the creature tried prying it away, Link's sword shot out from underneath and pierced the crab's soft underbelly. The boy threw the dying creature off, its legs curling inward in defeat. Uh, that makes four, Tattle said, eyeing the monster corpse distastefully. This path isn't supposed to be littered with so many killer mountain crabs. They won't be that big of a problem, Link said, sheathing his weapon and grabbing onto the cliff's underside. His gloves made climbing significantly easier than before. I couldn't tell you how many of those things I fought while climbing Death Mountain. Death Mountain? Tattle said, smiling. You're kidding, right? Is everyone in Hyrule so dramatic? You've already told me about the Lost Woods. Do you have a dehydration desert, too? Link scoffed, shaking his head. Besides, I'm not worried about you fighting them. I'm worried about what's causing them to be here. The swamp was one thing. That place is always infested with... Freakish animals. But this far north, the mountains are usually a lot warmer and friendlier. Traders are always coming up and down this way. Well, it's definitely not warm, Link said, catching another chill as he pulled himself upward. <sighs> We're friendly. Maybe we should have grabbed warmer clothes, the fairy said. It's only going to get icier the further we climb, which again is unusual. Goron Village is much further north. Well, we can't turn back now, Link said. We've been following the path for a couple of hours, and I don't want to waste any more of this cycle. It took us a long time to figure things out in Woodfall. <sighs> for once, we agree, Tattle said. We shouldn't take the Song of Time lightly anymore. Tattle looked off, distracted by some memory. Probably one of the horrible things that happened after the Skull Kid's ambush, he thought. There was Lots of horror to choose from. No, we shouldn't, Link affirmed. His hands finally reached the ledge's top, and his fingers immediately plunged into something soft and freezing. He jerked and surprised, but pulled himself up regardless. Link's boots crunched as he stood, looking up to examine the snow at his feet. A burst of cold air bellowed over him, and this time, the shivers didn't go away. The narrow mountain pathway opened to a wider circle, 
bordered by more tall walls of rock. The path continued on its other side, sloping upward and out of sight. A thin blanket of white coated the clearing, though it was mostly ice with only patches of snow. Link's gloved hands went to his bare arms, holding them as he shivered. A log cabin in the clearing promised to offer warmth. It was small and quaint, though a large chimney dominated most of its pointed roof. No smoke was visibly pouring out, though, so it might have been abandoned. <sighs> Tin, why is it so cold? Tattle said. She wasn't shivering yet. Link knew that fairies could handle themselves better in the cold. <sighs> but her immunity won't last forever. Link turned his eyes to the cabin. We'll go there, he said, walking quickly and rigidly. The temperature had changed drastically even over such a small cliff. If there's someone inside, maybe they can help us. Tattle flew ahead to read a sign flanking the small porch's stairway. Mountain Smithy ahead. We sharpen any sword. We work hard, so your sword works hard for you. Hmm. She paused as Link joined her. Hmm. Maybe we can get more out of this than just a warm coat. Do you still have rubies left? One hundred and thirty-seven, Link said. That's oddly specific, Tattle said. Hopefully. She trailed off, however, catching something behind them. Link turned to look across the clearing at the rocky border's other side. A thin opening revealed a hidden cave, but its depths were imperceptible from so far away. Only a red eye peered at them from within. It vanished as soon as the hero spotted it. I think we might have company soon, Tattle said. We'll worry about that later, Link said, ignoring the flurry falling lightly from the sky. He walked up to the cabin and knocked on the door. There was no answer. Hello? Hello? He knocked again, but still there was no response. With every passing second, he became more aware of his thin forest attire. Hmm, uh, see if it's unlocked. Tattle said. Link hesitantly agreed, and the door opened without resistance. Sunlight spilled into darkness, and the boy and fairy stepped into the cabin. Only silence greeted them. They scanned the singular room for residence, allowing the door to swing shut and seal away the snow. The cold, however, lingered. The entryway ended at a counter, running the length of the cabin. Crates and a staircase leading to the attic were on the left. The right side hosted a large desk, messily scattered with papers and utensils, and a couch right behind it. Tattle illuminated the counter, joined by sunlight pouring in from the window above the front door. A massive forge was in the back, though it seemed frozen solid. Ice shone across its dark metal surface. Link stopped when he reached the desk, noting a young man fast asleep on the green furniture. He was sprawled out with his arms dangling over the edge. The small man snoozed beneath a blanket, oblivious to the boy and fairy. Link turned to Tattle as if expecting her to tell him what to do next. <coughs> Link and Tattle jumped, spinning around at the unnaturally deep voice growling from behind. Their eyes found a girthy creature worthy of such a voice. It seemed human, two arms and legs with a torso and head. But the boy and fairy craned their necks back to behold the full might of this being standing behind the counter. He was pale beyond belief, and only wore undergarments. His hardened, muscular skin was a ghastly white. 
Link couldn't begin to fathom how much the giant weighed as he towered over them. Two massive gloves covered hands almost larger than Link's whole body. An incredible sledgehammer was easily slung over his shoulder, despite being large enough to demolish a house. An iron helmet encased his head, only one half producing a slit for an eye and an opening for the mouth. The right half was completely blank and sealed away. The giant had appeared suddenly out of the darkness, and Link had no idea what he shouted. Link's eyes widened as he grabbed his sword's hilt. The small man on the couch shot up from his sleep, looking sheepishly at the intruders. The giant said loudly, raising his voice in response to Link's gesture of violence. The giant shook his head, holding out an empty hand, palm up, as if to indicate no harm. Link nodded uncertainly, taking his hand off his weapon. Ah, shut up! The man on the couch shouted at the pale giant. He didn't move to stand and pulled himself into a sitting position instead. Link remained frozen in shock with his fairy. His eyes darted from the man to the giant, though his fairy's eyes were fixed on the latter. Link, what are you doing? She whispered urgently. Draw your freaking sword! I don't know what the din that thing is! Just when I was having a good dream. Ugh the man on the couch said, stretching his arms and yawning. The man's skin tone was far livelier than the thing with the giant hammer, and he seemed oblivious to the tension in the room. Oh! the man exclaimed, as if just noticing Lincoln Tattle. His brown eyes and goatee framed a round face, and his hair was hidden beneath a white cap. He didn't bother introducing the hammer-wielding giant in the iron mask, as if the creature required no explanation. Welcome to the mountain smithy, where we take our time to make a good point. Tattle eventually tore herself away from the threatening giant, though her eyes were still narrowed with skepticism. <sighs> Clever, she said uneasily. I am Zabora, the owner, the small man said, smiling. Pleased to meet you. Hi, Zabora, Tattle said. So, I was just wondering, is this... Your friend? The pale creature said, screaming again. This time, he waved his arms, twirling the hammer around madly. Link reflexively ducked, even though the mighty weapon swung far above his head. Ah, Nehru! Tattle exclaimed. Shut up over there! Zubora said to the giant again. The beast obeyed, instantly silencing himself and staring at the newcomers once more. That huge fellow is my assistant, Gabora. He's all brawn and about as smart as a Deku stick. Lincoln Tattle took a moment to take that in. The giant, Gabora, chuckled thoughtlessly in response. <laughs> all right, Tattle said. Link watched the emotion on her face flicker from confusion to irritation. And it's just a coincidence that your names rhyme? Zavora's smile almost faltered, but Link shook his head and moved closer to the man's desk. Please ignore my fairy, Link said. She can't help herself. Hey, Tattle exclaimed. It's not my fault that my companion is constantly misplacing his sense of humor. Link rolled his eyes, but Zavora responded before he could. Say, did you come to have your sword sharpened? N no, actually, Link said. 
I'm on another errand, but I didn't think the mountains would be this cold and hostile. I'm really unprepared. I came across your cabin, and I hoped you could help me, which I can pay for. I just don't think I can finish my errand in this thin tunic. I'd say, Zabora said, quickly noticing how much the boy shivered. But you'll need more than a big coat if you plan on following that path further up. Only the Gorons can run around here empty-handed without freezing to death. Freezing to death? Link asked. It's that bad? I'm not sure where you're from, Zubora said. But these mountains have been a frozen wasteland for months. Even the Gorons are having trouble coping with the cold now. Link's face immediately fell with dismay. Great, he thought. Not even two hours in, and already things have taken a turn. So you're, one, a blacksmith? Tattle asked. Zubora nodded. Unfortunately, we're not doing any business, thanks to this abnormal cold snap. He pointed at the forge behind the counter, just beside the pale giant who now stood quietly. Our hoist has been frozen over. The way things are going now, I won't be able to do any business until spring. Gabor and I thought about heading to Clocktown, but it's all hopeless. That big idiot over there just spends his time standing around staring at stuff. I'm going on months of napping and things still aren't better. Months of napping? The fairy said, scoffing. <laughs> it's miserable up here. Why don't you leave now? It's not looking any less miserable down there, the blacksmith said. Have you seen that big chunk of rock hovering over the town? We were all packed and ready to go until we noticed that thing. Now, I'm not usually one to be superstitious, but something about that moon gives me the creeps. So you're just going to sit here and wait it out? Tattle asked. Exactly, Zubora said. At least until we run out of food. The roads are all icy, so we don't really get traders anymore. He looked over to the forge again and sighed. One step at a time, though. If I could just do something about that frozen ice. Gabor screamed again. Tattle jumped with fright again, furious when she turned back to the chanting giant. Huh? What's that? Subora asked. You say that if we had hot water, we could melt the ice off the hearth? Tattle's eyes narrowed into thin slits of rage. Zubora didn't notice and continued regardless. Don't act like you know what you're talking about, you deco stick. You've got to be kidding me, Tattle said. You're messing with us, right? There's no way you can understand that thing. A thing? Zubora said. Now that's cold. No pun intended. It isn't even speaking real words. Look. Link said, intervening before things got out of hand. I really, really need to go further into the mountains. Is there anything I can buy from you or any advice you can give me? The only advice I can give you is to turn around, Zubora said. I'm honestly surprised you two even made it this far. Those tektites have been rather nasty lately. They've made a nest in that cave across from our cabin, and without Gabor here to scare them off, I would have been food for them as soon as this endless winter brought them here. Listen, bum, Tattle said. You may be content sitting here doing nothing, but my friend and I actually have some serious business to attend to in Snowhead. You've got to help us out. Zubora only furrowed his brow, but Link chimed in again. Isn't there anything we can offer you in exchange for supplies? Uh, a favor? 
If you two could get my hoy thought out, I'd supply you with everything you need, the blacksmith said. But don't say I didn't warn you. Even if I were to give you explosives and coats, the weather out there probably won't get any better. I don't think 20 layers of thick fur would get you all the way to the end of Snowhead. We'll take our chances, Tattle said, spinning around to look at the forge. Now, how do we get this hearth unfrozen? Subora shrugged. Beats me. If I knew how to, I'd have done it weeks ago. What did Gobora say about the hot water? Link asked. The blacksmith rolled his eyes. Oh, please. He believes a rumor that says long ago there were hot springs somewhere in the mountains near here. When he looked up to see Link taking him seriously, he laughed. <laughs> bah! Don't believe such rubbish! Well, we've been known to grasp at straws before, Tattle said, turning to face the giant. She was surprised to find it still staring at her. Where would we go looking for this spring? We have bottles, so we'd be able to bring plenty back. Gabora said, and the fairy turned back to the man on the couch. Zubora, however, didn't seem to want to translate. What's the matter? Tattle asked. You didn't understand him that time? No, I did, the blacksmith said. He just said that the hot spring water was deep in the tektite cave across from us. He looked up to reveal that his smile had turned grave. I wouldn't risk your lives going after it, though. Like I said, there's no evidence for that claim. Tuttle turned to look at the giant one last time, as if assessing the possibility of taking the supplies by force. Link immediately shot her a poisonous glare. No, he thought. We're not fighting them. While Link would never agree to that, the monstrous hammer could take them both out in one blow. So, Tattle said, resigned to their fate. If we go into the Tektite cave and bring back some hot spring water, you'll give us what we need? Tattle asked. Zubora sighed again. Assuming this nonsense had any truth to it, I would also be willing to make your sword stronger. Uh, for a modest price, of course. We're well known for making the strongest swords around. We could make that dingy blade of yours practically indestructible. He stopped, though, his newborn smile fading yet again. <sighs> to do that, I need gold dust. We haven't had suppliers bring us any in quite a while, so that'd be up to you as well. Link nodded, turning for the door, but his fairy decided that she needed the last word. He sighed. Hold on a second, she said. Do you really expect him to go down into that cave without at least one coat? If he's your one chance of getting your business up and running, surely you don't want him freezing to death before he can even reach the hot water. I'm not worried about him freezing to death in this clearing, Zabora said. I'm more concerned with the possibility of him being eaten. But, Gabora, fetch our customer a coat, quick-like. The giant laughed, turning around to hold a thick brown jacket in his free hand. He threw it across the store for Link to catch. Thank you, he said. We won't be long. Shut up! Link and Tattle approached the crevice in the rock. The boy's boots still crunched in the light snow, though he now wore a brown coat. It was slightly large, but its bulkiness did the trick of keeping him warmer. His sword and shield were strapped on its outside now. His green tunic was completely hidden. 
Gabora and Zabora remained in the cabin's protection across the clearing. So, you saw the red eye in there too? Link asked. He'd stopped shivering, but still detested every moment in this frigid wasteland. Yes, the fairy said. Have you ever taken a whole nest of tektites on? No, I've only faced a few at a time, but I'm sure we don't have to fight all of them. Can't we just sneak through to the hot water? Right, Tattle said sarcastically. Because we're so good at sneaking. Waking up two Dodongos was one thing, but we're dead if we wake a whole nest of monster crabs. That was your brother's fault, Link said. And besides, we always have the Song of Time as backup if something goes wrong. Unless the thing that goes too wrong ends up separating you from your ocarina, like in Woodfall. Or if there's no time to sit down and play your little melody. We're gonna have to take risks up here eventually, Link said. Might as well be now. Next time we'll prepare more so we're not running errands for people in exchange for supplies. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of hoping the school kid hadn't affected this place yet. He usually didn't allow Tail and I to come with him when he went to the mountains, so I kind of just assumed it was okay. Guess the default going forward is that every land is cursed, Link said. Hopefully the bay and the canyon aren't too dangerous. Link reached the mouth of the cave and peered inside. The tunnel ventured into darkness and sloped downward. No tektites were visible, and Link pressed a finger to his lips in Tattle's direction. What? She whispered. You don't think I know when to be quiet? Link rolled his eyes, getting down on his knees to crawl. He couldn't stand up all the way once inside, bent over against the ceiling. He walked across an uneven floor as Tattle stayed close behind. In just a few feet, the cave ended at a hole in the ground. The natural well vanished into infinite blackness. Link crouched over its edge, pulled out his rope, and tied it safely around a sturdy rock. He opened his bag and motioned to Tattle, who understood immediately. Her light would wake up whatever's down there, he knew. She flew inside as Link closed it again and fed the rope into the hole. He waited for a few moments to see if anything reacted to it, but there was only silence. Link took a deep breath, grabbed the rope, and steadily climbed into the darkness. The cold increased as oblivion enveloped him. His breathing was the only sound. The light above was blinding as he descended, and the rope stopped just before reaching the floor. This room has to be massive, he thought. He couldn't discern its width yet, but the cool, damp air promised a vast cavern. His boots lightly touched the cave's bottom. Link let go of the rope and took a step forward uncertainly. Where do I go? He wondered. The only buoy was the ceiling's island of light. Link reached down to his bag and opened the cover only slightly. Tattle's brightness acted as a thin beam of light cutting through the air. Link walked carefully, lighting only the floor in front of him as he walked. He checked for steep drops or obstacles, and eventually, Tattle's light revealed where the rock floor met wall. He dared to open the bag a little further and stopped immediately when he caught the yellow end of a leg. Link held his breath as he heard the rest of the tektite stir. The one beside it shook as well. And then the next. Link heard several deep breaths ripple along the dark wall right in front of him. 
The noise traveled like a shockwave and then died. All was soon silent again. Ugh, that whole wall is covered in sleeping tectites, Link realized. He wondered if that was true of all the other walls too. He took a step backward before cautiously opening the bag again. This time, he only illuminated the rock wall's base, following it to run along the wall's perimeter. He stepped carefully until he found a break in the wall and floor. He lifted the bag up further to find that another cave started. This one was in complete darkness, given the lack of a ceiling halo. Tato's flashlight revealed no creatures on the narrow tunnel's walls. He treads softly through it. The cave curved to the right. Link followed silently as Tattle remained in the bag. Um, Link? She eventually whispered. Yeah? He said in a soft exhale. We should go back. Link raised an eyebrow. We'll be fine. Just stay quiet and none of the tectites will hear us. It's not them, the fairy said. I followed the Skull Kid on one of his trips into the mountains. He went down this other cave, and when I followed him... She stopped as if afraid to continue. He paused. I need my full attention on being quiet, he thought. I'll calm her down for now, but we have to keep going. Another cave? Link said. The one that the Skull Kid keeps going to when he's weak? Do you think this one connects with that one? Mm, no, Tattle said hesitantly. The Skull Kid's cave is a lot further north. It's just... She paused again, her voice shaking. I'm scared, Link. The further we go down here, the more I remember what happened in there. Tattle, it's okay, Link whispered. Tattle's never this scared. Link thought. Whatever happened, we can talk about it as soon as we get out of this cave. Tattle didn't say anything else, so Link kept walking. As the silence stretched on, Link picked over her words. Why does the Skull Kid go to a cave when he's weak? He wondered. What's so special about Northern Snowhead? Soon, Link felt warmth, which interrupted his thoughts. Tattle's light revealed the cave's end. This next underground room was large, though slightly smaller than the tektite nest. As Link opened the bag further, he discovered that there were no tektites. The fairy cautiously flew out to join him. Stalactites and stalagmites hung from the ceiling and shot up from the floor, crowding the chamber and obscuring its center. There was no passageway out aside from the entrance. Link and Tattle approached the maze of pointy rocks carefully, and they found a large pool of water in the middle. It had a slight glow that illuminated the rock basin. Beneath the water, the basin continued, spiraling into the mountain's depths. Do you think this is it? Tattle whispered. Link nodded, reaching into his bag and pulling out one of his bottles. He removed the cork and took a cool drink before pouring its contents out quietly. Link then dipped the bottle into the rocky basin. A small wave lapped onto his hand, and he bared his teeth in pain. Ouch! He thought. 
he managed to avoid a shout and only removed his hand once the container was full. His hand shook as he put the cork back, removing his right glove to see the burn. The wound from the poisonous swamp water had been replaced quite quickly, and he noticed the scabs on his palms from climbing. Well, Link said, I guess we know this is the right water for sure, huh? Yes, Tattle said. Hopefully this will be enough. Link stowed the bottle away and stood. On his first step, however, he slipped on hot spring water dotting the floor. <laughs> he almost fell into the watery inferno, but he grabbed the stalagmite for support just in time. He saved himself, but he did snap the rock's point off. The sound of breaking earth echoed throughout the tunnel. Link! Tattle whispered sharply. Are you okay? <clears throat> yeah, I'm... Uh, uh? He stopped when he lifted his burnt hand. He'd expected to find blood, but instead, he noticed that it was shining. The two looked closely to see little bursts of golden light dotting his fingers. His eyes went to the broken stalagmite. The stub was now raining golden flakes from the inside. <sighs> Gold dust, Tattle said. She smiled, and Link took out his second bottle filled with cool water. I'm guessing he'll have drinking water to replace this, Link said, spilling it on the floor as well. He went under the destroyed rock formation, put his glove back on, and scraped the golden dust into the bottle. You'd think so, Tattle said. Once he had a bottle full of gold dust and hot spring water stowed away, Link looked back to Tattle. She was busy staring off into space. Tattle? He said. Are you ready to go? She responded by flying into the bag without a word. Link opened his mouth to comment, but he decided against it. We'll talk later. Something was very wrong, but they had to avoid getting eaten first. He used her light again and guided them back through the tunnel to the room full of tectites. His rope was still there, dangling from the halo of light on the ceiling. He smiled, trying his best not to think about how many tectites likely littered the walls. He closed the bag, ignoring the pain in his burned hand, and walked toward their exit's brilliant beacon. Soon, his gloved hands were inching him back up to the surface. But before he made it, a loud screech cut through the air. Link's eyes widened in horror, finding a single red eye in the darkness. A second, third, and fourth opened beside it, and then hundreds more as the cave walls became spotted with wrathful dots of crimson. More screeches broke the silence, all directed at the boy dangling from the rope in a spotlight. Tattle flew out of the bag, looking around in horror. His state of shock lasted only a moment. He climbed as fast as possible, single-mindedly looking at his distant escape route. Tattle tried to draw their attention away from him, flying around chaotically below. She easily dodged all the tectites that leapt for her, though one was smart enough to aim for the hero instead. Link saw the beast just in time, swinging the rope out of the way so the beast flew past him. After two more successful dodges, Link scrambled out of the dark hole, finally free of the true nest but still in the cave. He quickly loosened the rope as Tattle flew out beside him. Leave the rope! She exclaimed. We don't have time! Huh? Ah! 
Her point was proven when a yellow leg shot out of the hole, grabbed Link's ankle, and pulled. He fell to his stomach as the beast dragged him, but Link quickly drew his sword and sliced the appendage at its joint. A distant shriek faded as the tektite spiraled to its death. Another tektite leapt from the darkness before Link could stand, wrapping around his shoulders and bringing its mouth around to bite him. He thrust his sword back without looking and sprinted for the exit. He gave one longing look at the rope, which was already overrun. The hero dove through the small crawl space back into daylight. The flurry had thickened, and his fairy rejoined him at the cave entrance. They sprinted for safety across the icy ground and toward the cabin. Already, more tektites poured out of the cave to follow them. One leapt to attack, but his shield tossed the beast aside. Two others jumped to land in front of him and stopped him immediately. Link prepared for them to strike, but more tektites bunched up from behind instead. In the blink of an eye, over twenty surrounded the boy and fairy. He was completely cut off. Link had only made it halfway through the clearing, and there was nowhere to run. Tattle, Link said, his voice shaking. He glanced frantically for options, but there were none. Yeah? She said. In case we don't make it out of this? Uh, Link, I've been lying about the other side of the mountains! Tattle said suddenly. I know it's outside Termina. The Skull Kid's cave leads directly to it. Somehow, amidst the terror, Link scrunched his face with confusion. What? Then the Tektites charged. They all flooded the center toward their fresh catch of the day. Link readied his sword and shield, prepared to slash at whichever one reached out first. I'm sorry I lied, Tattle said. But every time you brought up the northern border, I... Link didn't hear what she said next as a monster pounced. It landed on his shield, but before he could throw it off, another latched onto his side. He turned to meet its red eye as another grabbed him from behind. Link fell, and the three tektites bared their teeth. He tried slashing his sword, but a yellow leg held his arm down. Pain erupted on his leg after the first bite, and he saw blood well up around the tektites' fangs. He screamed, but he could no longer move as they tore into his coat. Link shrieked as the beasts blotted out the sun and covered him. Please help me! Link thought, directing his willpower to the scar on his chest. Don't let them kill me! I know you can stop them! In that moment, he didn't care about the consequences of letting Majora's magic possess him. Link just didn't want to die. Please, Dark Link! Majora! Whoever's in there, save me! And then, he suddenly levitated into the air. Several tektites fell off, and for a moment... Link thought it worked. He expected to be blasted out of his body or to see purple eyes. But instead, he realized a large hand had picked him up. <laughs> Gabora threw Link far away from the countless tektites. He skidded on the icy ground, scrambling to his feet as quickly as he could. The pale, muscular giant with the iron helmet was in the center of the monsters, swinging his massive weapon to take ten out at a time. Each flattened tektite crunched beneath the unbelievable hammer as he smashed monster corpses into oblivion. Ling quickly caught his breath, looking to see one tektite escaping the crowd to find him again. He spotted his lost sword nearby and raced for it as the creature tried to be faster. When the beast lunged, Link's hand wrapped around his weapon's handle, and he brought it up to end the Tektite's life. 
Gabor exclaimed furiously. Two beasts tried to latch onto his arm, but he pulled those off and crushed them effortlessly in his fist. Their shattered bodies joined the others, and then his hammer once again swept through the crowd to make short work of the rest. Tattle floated, mouth aghast at the giant, and likely very grateful she hadn't suggested taking the supplies by force. Link grabbed his shield next, helping Gabora by fighting off a few of the stragglers. There were bites all over his body, and his coat had been shredded into a ruin. I'd be dead if they hadn't lent me a coat, Link realized glumly. He ignored his injuries as he made sure the battle ended in their favor. Gobor continued doing triple the damage just beside the hero, and Link couldn't help but wonder briefly why he wasn't out saving Termina. Soon, the Tektite waves reversed, and they fled back into their cave. His Kokiri sword slew its last monster, and then Link took a step backward, panting as Gabor followed the fleeing crowd to make sure they didn't turn back. <sighs> that was intense, Tattle said. She looked around uncertainly at the piles of crab bodies now littering the clearing. Are you okay? <sighs> I'm fine, Link said, sheathing his sword and shield. Your coat definitely isn't, the fairy said. Thankfully, the tunic underneath was unscathed, since the tektites had stopped after exposing his arms and legs. He looked at the brown hole in his chest, though green fabric still covered his scar. Uh, your scar didn't do anything, did it? Link shook his head, looking back up at her. That's not the whole story, is it? Tattle asked. I asked it to help he said, feeling slightly ashamed as he admitted that. I didn't know how it works yet, but I guess it's a good thing it didn't overpower me. He paused. But what about you? Me? Apparently, you haven't told me the whole story either. Tattle's mouth wavered, but she couldn't find the words. <laughs> Gabora yelled. They both turned to behold their savior. He'd returned from the cave, large hammer slung over his shoulder as if it were a twig. The giant didn't even glance at the immense body count surrounding them. Tattle sighed. <sighs> Thank you, Gabora. She flew a bit closer to his hidden face. She thought she saw a white eyeball from inside the metal slit, but she wasn't sure. The giant laughed, walking past her and back into the cabin. <laughs> Tattle didn't even look at Link as she flew in after Gabora. Wow, Link thought. She has never acted like this before. He'd have to navigate this carefully. Never in a million years did he think something could come between he and Tattle now, after everything in Woodfall and Clocktown. But this is scary. Whatever she's hiding from me is serious. Link followed the giant and fairy into the cabin. Gabor had already leapt over the counter, turning around to stare at the two customers again. Ugh, creepy, Link thought, especially with his weapon now dripping tektite blood. The hero stopped before Zabora's desk and couch, joining Tattle. The small blacksmith eyed them warily, as if unsure exactly what had happened outside. His eyes widened, however, when he took in Link's condition. Dear Feyror, my coat! he exclaimed. Tattle's sadness immediately reverted to anger. Your coat? 
she said with bile. The fairy shook her head, grabbed Link's tattered jacket, and pulled it off with his help. She hardly noticed his scabbard and shield falling to the floor. <coughs> Here's your coat! Tattle flung it across the table on top of him. Zabora was too stunned to move as he stared wide-eyed at the fairy. We just drove into that nest of tectites, got your hot spring water, and almost died right in front of your shop, and all you can think about is your stupid coat? It, you got the, the hot spring water? Yeah, and I have half a mind to splash it all over your face, the fairy said. The shopkeeper smiled nervously and then turned to face Link instead. She seems a little angry, he said. A little angry? Tattle said, flying closer so that he couldn't look away. I'll show you angry. Tattle, Link said, interrupting her. What? She asked, spinning around to face him. Her anger only met Link's smile, however. Maybe you should wait outside, he said. The fairy couldn't help but return his smile. All right. <laughs> Good call. I agree. I'll probably beat this fool to a bloody pulp otherwise. Link watched her leave the cabin, shivering again now that he was coatless. Is she with you all the time? Zubora asked. Yes, Link said, walking over to the frozen forge. But it's normal for her to get upset when people act really selfishly, which I support. Zavora's smile vanished, and he didn't reply. Link spared him from responding by opening one of his bottles. It was hot to the touch, and he poured the spring water over the frozen hearth. The ice instantly began melting away. Water fell to the wooden floor and spilled over the counter. Once the bottle had emptied, the forge was completely thawed. Zabora stood for the first time leaning over the desk with wide, happy eyes. <coughs> Gabor cheered gleefully, waving his hammer around excitedly and narrowly missing their home support beams. You've done me a great favor, Zabora said, clearly already forgiving the insults. My dearest apologies, Miss Mr. Link, he said, corking the bottle and reaching for his second one. Ah, Mr. Link, Zabora exclaimed happily. This horse can finally go to work for me. Anything you need for your journey, you just... Then he saw the object in Link's hand, a bottle filled with a golden sparkling powder. His smile widened with awe. Why, if it isn't gold dust, and it's even top quality. Zabora was unable to hide the immense greed shining in his eyes. Why, even if I use it to reforge your sword, there'll still be some left. Great, Link said, bending to pick up his scabbard and sliding the kokiri blade out. So you can improve this whole thing. He pretended to not notice Zabora's wicked smile. Clearly, the gold dust was worth way more than just improving one sword. But I can't let him think he's outsmarting me, the boy thought. Certainly, Zabora exclaimed. Just for you, I'll do it for free. But don't tell anyone. <laughs> He took the sword and gold dust eagerly. And I'll also need more winter clothes. And explosives, Link said. I got bitten by one of the tektites too, and emptied all of my drinking water to grab the gold dust and hot spring water. So if you could help me out with those two things as well... Of course, Zubor said. 
anything for such a generous customer who helped me with my hoist and the gold dust. And the tectites. Right, he said. Your sword won't be done for at least uh, 24 hours. Do you have to leave before then? Oh, Link thought immediately. This won't work then. Yeah, I can't travel without one, he said. I need to head further north as soon as possible. Then you'll be needing a temporary substitute, Zubora said. He turned to his giant friend behind the counter. Hey, hey, Gabora! Fetch our customer that raises sword, quick like! <laughs>